for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks. The world is going to hell and the church is too close to it. And John 17, we know it is the high priestly prayer. Jesus makes intercession on behalf of the people, us, then and now, and in the future. And in verse 17, he says this, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. Yes. Do you believe that? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to need a yes or a no from everybody in the room. Do you believe that? This is the this is the truth, infallible, as it is written, perfect according to First Timothy three sixteen. <clears throat> I believe it's three sixteen. It's Second Timothy three sixteen. I'm sorry. For the purpose of teaching. Reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Yep. So that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. Those are big words, man. Those are big, big words. But let me tell you what they mean. They're good for teaching. That is telling us what is right. They're good for reproof. That is telling us what is not right. For correction, how to get it right. And for righteousness, how to stay right. So if you want to know the truth in regard to what is right, what is not right, how to get right and how to stay right, this is how you find that. Amen. And in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them. That means set them aside to the truth, yep. in the truth. That they might know the truth, walk in the truth, declare the truth. And we got to do a better job. We have bought into the lie that the world is telling us, largely, as a church. And I don't mean Launch Point Church, I mean the Big C Church. Sadly, some people in this church too, or I would believe the Holy Spirit would probably just have me teach out of Colossians. So I need you to listen. Sanctify yourself according to the truth. Because I don't care what the world's telling you. If you live contrary to the truth or you believe that somehow the truth has become subjective to your feelings and not the objective truth according to the word of God, it's a matter of time before your feelings lead you to feel the fires of hell. It's, man, that's harsh. But that's the truth. I don't get to tell you what's right. I don't get to tell you what's wrong or how to stay right. I don't get to tell you any of those things. All I can do is reflect what the Word of God says to you. I have people tell me pretty regular, man, you, you preach pretty hard, pretty challenging messages. And I do that because they're not my message. That's it. Come on. It's the message of God that I've been just given the, the ability, the, I, the privilege to tell you. 
And it needs to be told. Because the world is leading us astray. I'm not teaching out of Colossians, but Paul is the whole time in Colossians is talking about, listen, false teachers have crept into the church and they have, they have deceived you. They have told you wrongly. They have convinced you that your feelings matter in regard to the truth. And I'm here to tell you they don't. Amen. Amen. You know, how can a loving God do such and such? Well, let me, let me break that statement down for you. A loving God would have just sent you to hell, wouldn't have sent you Jesus. Or a, 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 a loving God didn't send you to hell, gave you Jesus. The fact that you decided not to choose Jesus doesn't make God unloving. It makes you not paying attention to the truth. Because if the word is spoken, if the gospel is spoken, the Holy Spirit provokes, is provoked by the gospel to cause us to be saved according to the word of God. It is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. Then if the gospel is being preached, if you are receptive to the truth, then you should receive salvation. That's just the, the nature of the verse. Because the power of God for salvation is the gospel. Yes. That is that you are a sinner. The worst of sinners deserving death. But God didn't give us death. God gave us Jesus. He could have judged us justly, but decided to place our judgment on his son, Jesus. And because of who we were, we deserve judgment. God sent us Jesus, according to John 3.16. You talk about the love that gives up here a minute ago. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the absolute truth. I don't serve an unloving God. I sent a God that sent his own son, Jesus, to die for me so I wouldn't face the judgment that I actually deserve. Because according to the word of God, I have walked in rebellion both by birth and by action, both by the seed of Adam and what I have done myself deserve to be judged. Why do I tell you all that? Because that's who you were. But it has to stop being who you are. We have to move from sinner to saved by grace, walking in righteousness. Does that mean you're going to get it right all the time? And I hope that's not what it means because I don't get it right all the time. But you know what it means? It means when I don't get it right, I stand up, I pray, or I fall down and pray. I ask God to forgive me, trusting that according to his word, when I ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to do what? Restore me back to righteousness. That's the glory of the God that we serve. I'm just going to kick that off and leave that there. So I tell you all of this to tell you one thing. Pay attention to the word. Because the word will sanctify you. I can't sanctify you. I can equip you by the power of the word that you might walk in a sanctified way. I look at the... This week. Just this week. The Pope said he's going to bless same-sex marriages. Let me tell you something. And I responded to that on Facebook, so if you've read that post, you're about to hear some of the same stuff. 
But if you haven't, it's not going to hurt you to hear it again. You can't curse. You can't bless what God has cursed. You can say, that's all right, all you want to. But all you're doing is filling your church house or your temple or whatever it is you're doing with people that want to have their ears tickled but are still going to hell. You still owe them a responsibility to the truth that you're not giving them that they're going to ultimately be held accountable. I'm going to be held accountable for what I tell you guys before a mighty God. I believe that to be true. If I tell you a lie, I'm going to be accountable for that lie. If any pastor, leader, lay person tells you a, tr a lie in regard to the word, they are doing you a huge disservice. We have got, this is horrible. We have gotten to a place, I'm righteously indignant though, if you can't tell. We have gotten to a place in America where we ought to be dragging some pastors, some lay leaders, some leaders out of their pulpits and into the street and saying, you can't be teaching this anymore. You can't do this anymore. The only thing you can do is repent and turn your face back to God because you are not only going to hell yourself, you're bringing people with you. Is that harsh? It's true. But we don't want to hear that. Well, sadly, too many want to hear that. Too many want to hear that God, God's going to bless your subjective truth. He's not going to. And it's easy for us. I would assume probably most people in here, I hope everybody is a heterosexual. So it's easy for me to stand up here and beat same-sex relationships up. Transgenderism. It's easy for me to do that because I'm... A, I'm high and lifted up above that. But here's the thing. God ain't judging your sin based on the nature of it. He's just judging your sin. He's not saying your sin's greater than his sin because you're a homosexual, but you're a liar. So this liar's still going to get off a little bit better. You go into the same hell. There's a list and, well, let me just get to it. I hope y'all don't mind. I'm really not ranting. I'm at a place where I think the church needs to hear the truth. First Corinthians chapter 6. Or do you not know, verse 9, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's a pretty general term. The unrighteous. Those people who aren't in right standing before a holy God. And there's only one way to stand rightly before a holy God. And you know what that is? By the declaration of Jesus Christ is Lord, the only name according to Acts 4.12 in heaven or on earth that, need, that you need to call upon to be saved. So if you're living outside of Christ Jesus, the declaration of Christ Jesus given to us through faith, by grace, by a merciful loving God, then you are walking in unrighteousness. So it says... Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not, everybody say will not, inherit the kingdom of God? This isn't something we should brag about. This isn't something we should be all, mm, they're going to hell. But we do that because we think that somehow judging them instead of loving them will make them righteous. Sometimes we need to just love people so that they become righteous. Maybe if we love them well, as Pastor Leonard always says, just love the sinner. Love the sinner. You can't judge a sinner. What are you going to judge them based on? They don't have a revelation of the truth. I might as well kick a dog for being a dog. Judge each other. Do you hear me? Judge each other. It was like, you got no right to judge me. Only God can judge me. 
That ought to freak you out, man. First off, you've been told a lie because it's comfortable to hear that. But God can judge you and God will judge you. But if you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I'm here to tell you, it is not just, I don't just have the ability to judge you. I have the responsibility to judge you. I have to tell you, hey, brother, I love you. Now, it says do it with a tender heart and do it the way you should do it in love. Make that correction. But the correction still has to be made. Sometimes that love looks harsh. <laughs> My papa loved me, but sometimes that love looked harsh. And it hurt too. So we have to judge, but so that those that are righteous stay righteous, so that they might be redeemed, so that they might understand that they're, they have succumbed or submitted themselves to a subjective truth. Do you know, there's people out here that don't even know that they're being taught wrongly. Because they've been taught the same thing their whole life. If I woke up, or if, if my grandbaby was born, and from the time that he was born until he was 10 years old, I told him whatever color the sky is was purple. I said, that's purple. That's, and that's all he ever heard was that was purple. Everybody else knows that's not purple, that's blue. But that would be his truth, because nobody taught him well. So we have a responsibility to teach well, to live well, to love well, so that those people that don't even know they don't know might come to know. Because the sky is blue. Jesus is the answer. And the word of God is the way that we're sanctified. So, but it, so anyway, I, I digress. Or you do not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Don't let somebody tell you a lie. And then it lists off a bunch of stuff. It's the reason why I brought you to this list in the first place. Because it's not just the same sex relationship. It's not just the high, high end sin that you think is sending you to hell. It's that low end sin too. If it's done habitually without repentance. And those are, and there's some, just a short list of them, neither fornicators. Y'all catch it? I am convinced there will be more heterosexual fornicators in hell than homosexuals. It's got to be true. There's more fornicators. Fornicators, idolaters. And I'm not talking about you setting up a golden brass image in your living room. I'm talking about you deciding that something besides the obedience to the word of God is more significant in your life than obedience to the word of God. Well, I would do this like I know I'm supposed to, but, you know, I, I got to work. I got to go wash my car. I got to date this girl. I got to do all this stuff. Anything that gives a higher priority, that is given a higher priority to you or by you, then God is an idol in your life. I love my wife. My wife loves me. I'm absolutely convinced of it. But my wife doesn't take priority in my life. God does. And that's not an insult to her. I would expect her to say the same thing. Because I can't be the husband I am unless I'm willing to understand the, the, the umbrella of authority 
I have to understand that God first, because I'm in relationship with God and obedient to God, I don't have anything set before him as an idol, then I can have the health, the beauty, the magnificence of a wonderful marriage and the life that I have. But it's the idol worshiper that's not going to receive the kingdom of heaven either. It's the fornicator that's not going to receive the kingdom of heaven either. It's the adulterer, the effeminate, nor the homosexual, nor thieves. Well, I just stole a little something. Did you repent of that little something? Oh, let me back up. This is going to mess you all up, some of you. It's okay, because you're going to hear it, and I hope that you pay attention to it. Just because you got married doesn't mean the sin that... You committed a fornication has been forgiven. Marriage isn't the forgiver of your sin. So if you've lived with someone and you've had sex with them and then you get married and you think now God's okay, that sin is still against you. You still need to repent for that sin. I told a couple that I was counseling, premarital counseling with, and you can see the blood drain out of their face. They thought that they were going to get righteous because they got married. No, 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 no. Whether you get married, break up, never see each other again, you still got to ask God to forgive that sin. That sin needs to be dug out of us. Whatever that sin is. Can you hear me? I, I pray and I pray that you pray regularly. Lord, if there's anything in me, if I've committed any sin that I may not remember, that I may not be aware of, that is still against my ledger, which is the way I word it, Bring it to my remembrance by the Holy Spirit and dig it out of me that I might walk in righteousness. Well, how, how beautiful would the church be if we did that every day? And God, God still messes me up. I'll be driving down the road. Like not all the time as much as, certainly not as much as he used to. And drop something from my army days in my head. I'm like, oh, okay, I won't talk about that. But it was brought to my remembrance for a reason. Amen? Because I want to stand in righteousness. Because the unrighteous will not, everybody say will not, inherit the kingdom of God. But the list goes on and on. Nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. You know what a reviler is? Constant friction. Somebody that's always creating disunity that is always creating toxicity within their, their life or the life of someone else. I'm just going to let you sit on that one for a minute. If you're disunifying to the body of Christ, that's a sin that causes you to walk in unrighteousness that will dismiss your ability to inherit the kingdom of God. Pastor Jim, you preach on unity a lot. I do. You know why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. And love is seen in a unified body of believers. Unlike any other place you'll ever see it. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. This list continues, or there's an additional list, and I believe it's Galatians 5, where he says this. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, that's a pretty broad term. 
impurity. It's a pretty broad term. Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of angers, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, Pastor Jim, you angry today. I am angry today. We should be angry today. It's, did you know it's okay to be righteously indignant? You have to stand righteously indignant against the world that we live in today. To stand opposed and to stand on the wall we've been called to stand on. It's time for the church to get righteously indignant. We've forgotten how to rattle our sabers. How to beat our shields. I don't, I don't mean to be dramatic, but we've forgotten how to have a voice in the public square. We've abdicated our responsibility to a world that's dying and going to hell because we don't want to be made uncomfortable, because we don't want to offend anybody. Let me tell you, the gospel is offensive. It should be offensive. It is designed to be offensive. You know why it's offensive? Because it... It's the hinge upon which you have to decide the rest of your life. I was this. I heard the gospel. What am I going to do with it? And that hinge is going to cost you some stuff. This is the reason I very intentionally prayed at the beginning of this lesson, or whatever it is I'm doing here. God, even though it, hurt, it could hurt physically, Remove from us anything that stands between us. Because I'd rather be a man in poverty than a man unrighteous. And I want you to, to feel the same way. I, I don't want you to feel the same way. I need you to feel the same way. Christ died so that you could feel the same way. So that you might have the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon you when you hear that the way that you're living, the way that you're acting is contrary to the will of God for your life. And so we have to be willing to stand opposed. But not just stand opposed to the world, stand opposed to the people in the room that we're in who may be teaching us wrongly. To stand opposed to our own flesh by the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. If I said, what is the one thing you struggle with in regard to your flesh? Every person, I'm absolutely convinced, every person in this room, before I got the question out of your mouth and you already have this answer, know what the answer to that question is. What are you doing to solve? If you know the answer, what are you doing to solve the problem? And now, let me tell you, that, that may be a less significant thing than it was. When I first got saved, there were two big, three or maybe ten big boulders that I needed to God to get out of the way. And every time I'd move on, there'd be another one. And then I'd move on, there'd be another one. And at the very beginning of my life, my salvation, when I committed my life to the Lord, I thought, man, if I could just get this one out of the way. But the more righteous I get, the more I realize every unrighteousness is unrighteousness. Yeah. 
And although it may have seemed small 10 boulders ago, to God it's as big as the very first boulder. And so what are we doing to work on the boulder that we have right now? Are we asking God to remove it or have we grown so comfortable in it that we've just determined to live with it? I pray we haven't determined to live with it because what we've done is we've caused the blood of Christ to be no effect to us. And it's a matter of time before your heart is hardened to that small whisper of the Spirit in your life. I encourage you, chase, pursue the truth. Let the Word of God sanctify you, purify you, set you aside for the work of God. Amen? Sanctify yourself by the Word. It's, it's something I say all the time. Somebody told me one time, you only got two or three messages. I said, well, no, that's not true. I have one message. There you go. Come on. <laughs> one message is Jesus. Now, there's about 12, 12, 20 different ways I could talk to you about Jesus. But let me tell you, all of them are tied to this. Yeah, that's true. Because everything I know about Jesus, everything I can know about Jesus is in here. Yes. People go, well, no, there's, I got special revelation from the Holy Spirit. No, you didn't. No special revelation. This is the Word of God. If it's not in this Word of God, if it's contrary to this Word, you didn't get it from the Holy Spirit. You got it from a Spirit, but it ain't the Holy One. Amen? And so I tell you, pray, read your Word. Read your Word. Read your Word. Because there was a time in my life, I didn't know any of this. And there'll be, hopefully, 10 years from now, I'll be able to say, today, in 2023, I thought I knew some stuff. I didn't know anything. That's true. Because I, I'm intent on pursuing and asking God, cut this boulder out of me. Cut this boulder out of me. Cut this boulder out of me. And here's the thing. He will. He will. He wants to. So I don't, I don't know what you're dealing with. I pray that whatever it is you haven't allowed to just hang around your neck. But we're given an opportunity by the declaration of the gospel, the declaration of the truth of God's word to say it doesn't matter what sin I'm walking in, intentionally walking in. God's not going to bless what the word of God has cursed. God cut it out of me.